Although my home is in Los Angeles for the past week, I've been visiting friends and family here in Vermont, and my sister and I were recently out on a long walk around the back roads of Stowe. It's late September here, the trees are starting to turn, so there's like splashes of yellow and orange and red in the trees. It's just exquisite outside. The air is crisp. The air is cool. It's the kind of weather that just makes you want to inhale. And this is one of my favorite times of year here. Anyway, my sister and I were discussing how to know what you really like and actually want, which is the topic of this episode. This is the LadyQuest podcast, and I am Ariel Kylie, and this podcast is for intuitive, self-aware women who know that they have a big life purpose here on Earth. Does that sound like you? Something that feels deeply meaningful to you, that you want to do, create, experience, or pursue in this life. So back to my conversation with my sister. This topic came up because she has been such a hardworking lawyer and mom for the past over 10 years. And between doing her job and raising kids, and she has a wonderful husband too, it's just, there just hasn't been that much time to stop and ask, what do I really like? And what do I really want? And I have found in my work that this is actually very normal. A lot of women think they should just automatically know what they like, when in reality, they've lost track of it over the years. They haven't been able to prioritize that question over the years. In the beginning of the Lady Quest course, we do a lesson called Courting Your Callings that's all about doing that investigative work to connect with what you value and what you like, which has often been shut down or suppressed. Yet knowing what you like is the basis to know what you want and knowing what you want and knowing what you want is imperative to know what your purpose here is and what you're called to do. So today I'm going to guide you through some key techniques to tune into what you really like and are drawn to. First, we need distance, privacy, not being surrounded by others' opinions, time alone, or just space from the people who bring you a sense of obligation. So this means taking a walk by yourself. This means going to a cafe by yourself, maybe even taking an overnight trip by yourself, getting away from the usual influences into a neutral space where you can open your mind. Almost every day when I'm back home in Los Angeles, I go to the nearby park and nature preserve, and I do 30 minutes of earthing. So that means I lay down a blanket, I rest on the ground, and for 30 minutes, I just lie there or sit there, watch the trees, watch the sky. Sometimes I'll do some writing or a little reading, but luckily this canyon doesn't even have very good cell reception. So if I wanted to do work, I probably even couldn't and no one can really reach me. And it gives me that time away to just reconnect with myself, what's important to me, what I want, what I like. And that's pretty ideal to get to do that every day. But for some of you, even just putting on some ambient sounds 
through your headphones on the subway or through your car when you're commuting and stop taking in content from other people and just tuning into yourself will make a difference to start to be able to ask yourself, what do you like? What do you want? Next, learn how to feel into your body for the inner yeses or nos. When you're really drawn to something, when you like something, there's going to be this feeling of yes in your body. Expansion, warming, opening, even physically leaning in toward it, turning toward it. Versus when it's an inner no in your body, you're going to feel withdrawn, maybe cooler. You're going to feel contraction. Your breath might be a little constricted. I often find when something's a no for me, I actually physically start to turn away from it. Oftentimes when we're little kids, we are taught to distrust our inner yeses and nos. Like when you're little, if your parents told you you had to hug one of your relatives goodbye, but you didn't want to hug that person, you didn't want to touch that person, they were really making you overcome that inner no instinct and probably making you think it should be a yes, which can be very confusing. I was actually visiting with Matt, my husband's cousins recently. We were over at their house and they have two little girls who are just whip smart, so funny, so fun, these girls. And at the end of the visit, I loved how their parents handled it. They said, how do you want to say goodbye? Do you want to give a hug? Do you want to give a high five? And just gave a variety of options for how to say goodbye. So they were teaching the girls, yes, we say goodbye. This is polite when people leave, but we don't have to compromise our boundaries to say goodbye. And we did some high fiving goodbye, and that was just perfect. So that's just one small example of how a parent could encourage your inner yes or inner no. But I really think especially for women, we're taught to override our actual wants when we're little. We're much more trained to be compliant, to get along, to not be rejecting toward others. And this can really confuse our own sense of our boundaries and what we're drawn to and what we want to pull away from. So let's experiment with this for just a moment right now. We're going to think about two different people in your life that one that you're really drawn to and one that you really are repulsed by and notice how you feel in your body because you can just do this in your imagination and it'll even work. Start by thinking about someone you absolutely love and adore. Imagine them standing in front of you and feel how you feel in your body. Is there a sense of warmth, of opening? Maybe even your facial expression starts to get more friendly. You might lean or move toward them. This is that inner yes. Now imagine someone that you despise. From your present life or from the past. And imagine them standing in front of you and notice how your body feels. Do you feel a withdrawing, a contraction, a turning away? 
This is that inner no. And it works for people, but it really works for everything. So if you really want to keep refining your ability to know what you like as you move through your days, I encourage you to sense your inner yeses and nos. Even better, practice honoring them. Another technique that's really effective for learning more about what you like is a technique I called mining the decades. So this means you go one decade at a time through your life and remember what you were really into and then ask yourself, why was I into it? For example, when I was a little girl, I loved horses, was obsessed with them, and I was also really into trees and nature. I would spend a lot of time down by the stream putting like little leaves in and pretending they were boats and making up games down there. When I look back at these interests and I ask myself why, I can track their connection to my life now. For example, being very into horses, the thing about horses, in addition to just being absolutely beautiful, majestic, magical animals, they are so intuitive. It's like this animal where when you get on it, if your mind isn't right, if you aren't tuned in, things are going to go very badly. And I can connect that all the way to my 30s when I got really into yoga and connecting to my embodied self and my intuition and then teaching and training other people to do the same. Every once in a while when I was teaching yoga, I would have a flashback to training my horse. I'm like, am I just doing the same thing with humans instead of horses right now? And I think I probably was. So as you go through your life decade by decade, you will find all these clues about what you like and what's at the heart of what you like. Also, think about specialty stores that relate to certain activities and hobbies. For example, if you had a Saturday afternoon free at a big shopping complex with a huge variety of types of stores, which store would you want to walk into? My mother, who is an incredible seamstress, she loves gorgeous fabric. So when I was little, she would often want to go into the fabric store. I was so bored at the fabric store. I had no place in the fabric store. I would have much rather be in the hardware store next door. So think about those specialty stores you want to wander into, and you will find clues there in addition to the hobbies that they're connected to, things you do just for fun. Like when you want to send a greeting card, do you paint it instead of buy it? These little ways we trick out our everyday life also contain lots of information about what we like and are drawn to. Next, humans you admire. Who are the people who you really look up to? Living or dead, people you know or don't know, what did they do with their lives? What do they give their full attention to? And especially important, what about it are you most drawn to? A lot of us admire similar people, 
but we admire them for different reasons. When you find your reasons, you learn more about yourself. A lot of people look up to Oprah. If you talk to one person about it, it might be because of what she's done building schools in Africa, that that's so fascinating to them, and they would love to be able to do something like that. Someone else might be drawn to the deep personal conversations she has with powerful people. Someone else might love the fact that she's been with Stedman her whole life, but never got married and never had kids. And if you're me, you're just totally fucking obsessed with Montecito, which is the lush, gardeny, affluent area where she and Stedman have a gorgeous estate. So when you think about the people you admire, dig into why. Next, track your strong opinions. Strong opinions show what you care about. For example, back to my sister. When we were driving up to her house in Stowe, we drove by one of the city center buildings and it had this statue out in front of it that said, yo. It was a big yellow statue with the word yo on it. And as we drove by, I asked my sister, what's up with that statue? And she said, well, first of all, she loves the statue. She loves it so much. She asked her husband if he would basically get one for them that they could put on their driveway. So he looked into it and found out it's actually a very famous statue that would cost about half a million dollars. I Now, I looked at that statue and I just thought, huh, what a, f- what a funny statue. My sister looks at it and she's like, F, yes, that statue is amazing. She sees something. She knows something that my eye doesn't see and know about art. And my sister has a whole background as a sculpture major, double major, one of her majors in school was sculpture. And she did all these really cool pieces that kind of made people stop and think. So she recognizes the magic of this sculpture. I needed to do a little background work to understand why I should appreciate it. So I actually did. The work is called Oi Yo, because if you look at it from one direction, it says yo, the other direction, it says oi. It's from a Brooklyn-based painter, printmaker, and sculptor named Deborah Cass, and this is from the stanford.edu museum site. Deborah Cass is known for working at the intersection of art history, popular culture, and identity, particularly related to Jewish culture and elements of difference, all three of which come together in Oyo. Oyo explores the combination of imagery and language. Oy, as in Oyve, is a Yiddish term of fatigue, resignation, or woe, and Yo is a greeting associated with African-American slang. In addition, Yo in Spanish means I. Each usage has been co-opted in popular culture. The fact that this particular work resonates so beautifully in so many languages to so many communities is why I wanted to make it monumental, Cass told the New York Times. So connect into your strong, positive opinions to see what you like. On the other side, you can connect to your strong, negative opinions and look in the opposite direction to find out what you like. For example, let's say you have a repulsion to suburban neighborhoods with identical homes. 
If you look in the other direction, you might see that you love unique homes with character and history, and you're just really drawn to them. So as you move through your days and you get that strong inner no, you just really don't like something, I suggest instead of just dwelling on what you don't like about it, which is a total bummer way to live and also a bummer for the people around you who have to hear you talking about what you don't like all the time. Look in the other direction. What is its opposite that you love and that you value? Someone else will love that suburban home. They will want the comfort of it. They will want the fact that it's new. They will not want to deal with an old house with lots of character. So the point isn't that one thing is wrong or right. The point is that one thing is wrong or right for you. So I hope that these techniques have given you some ideas as to how to investigate what you like and what you want and what's important to you. And more importantly, to trust it. If you have a history of doubting yourself or feeling ashamed of what you want or like, really practice pushing all that aside and moving into trusting you like what you like, you want what you want for a very good reason. One last suggestion is that you start going on dates with yourself. So carve out a little bit of time and take yourself on a date wherever you want to go. And when you open your mind, okay, I've got two hours on Friday night, I could do anything with it. See what you really want to do, what you really, where you really want to go. Maybe you'll be on a rock looking at the sunset. Or maybe you'll go to a local nightclub to dance your face off. Follow your urges, follow your instincts, and then just study what's working, what's not working, and keep notes about what you really like, who you really are at this time in your life. Doing this will transform your world into the world you really want to be living in. All right, thank you so much for tuning in. It is such a joy to get to share these ideas with you. Hey, if you like this podcast, you will love the LadyQuest program. Join my newsletter through the link in the episode description if you want to learn more about LadyQuest, my one-on-one coaching work, and get invited to free transformational workshops I teach on a regular basis online. Also, if you want to make my day, you could leave a five-star review for this podcast. Thank you so much for being a part of my world, and I look forward to being with you again very soon.